Hey there, I'm Pete Townsend, and this is our 17th episode of Money Never Sleeps, a podcast that looks inside the head of entrepreneurs and at what makes them do what they do. Money Never Sleeps is kindly sponsored by Top Tier Recruitment, a specialist recruitment consultancy in fintech and financial services. In this episode, we brought our sponsors onto the show, Paul and Laura Smith, the co-founders of Top Tier Recruitment. Owen first met Paul earlier this year at an Enterprise Ireland event, and I met Paul last year during the planning and organizing of the Adminovate 2018 conference. And heads up, Adminovate 2019 tickets will go on sale soon. Soon after meeting Paul, I got to know Laura when I photobombed one of their photo tweets at the FinTech 20 event in Dublin last year. Top-tier recruitment are making a real difference in the Irish market and are helping to bridge between the FinTech and financial services sectors in Ireland. All right, so here's your opportunity to get to know our sponsors, the other Mr. and Mrs. Smith, so on with the show. Here we go again. Welcome to the 17th episode of Money Never Sleeps. We're here in the offices of Top Tier Recruitment in Dublin. I'm Pete Townsend. And I'm Owen Fitzgerald. And we're here with Laura Smith and Paul Smith, co-founders of Top Tier Recruitment. So our sponsors here on the show to be put on the hot seat and find out what makes you guys tick and why you're doing what you do. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Pete. Thanks a million. Hello. <laughs> Very welcome. Thanks, guys. And thanks for all the support so far and the sponsorship. It's been great. So, to get things started, um, maybe tell us the backstory of how things began. And obviously, we're talking about a professional relationship here, as well as a personal <laughs> relationship with, with you guys. Um, I'm working with a client right now that I found out are a, uh, are a couple, and the dynamic there, I haven't yet you know, figure it out and, and, and what it is that keeps them going. But it'd be interesting to try to figure that out as well, because um, our last guest that we had on, Vanessa Tierney from Abodu, her, one of her um, co-founders is her husband. Um, and we're seeing more and more and more of this out there in the entrepreneurial world um, of people that are um, together, that are working together and founding businesses together. Um, and even if they're not founding the business, like I rely on my wife to be a sounding board for me, um, that they help each other, right? So maybe t- just tell us a bit about the backstory before I run run too long into this yeah. um, and how you guys got this thing started. I think for us, it, probably similar to yourself, I was doing recruitment, Laura was in banking, and we would have always talked about business or banking or recruitment. Um, so it, it wasn't kind of a huge leap. We weren't that kind of couple who strictly never talked about business at home and you know that type of thing. So. It, it was kind of natural enough. I, I haven't noticed a massive change. No, Probably. it's a question that always comes up. Yeah. Like Paul said, we always talked about work, so it, it was a very kind of natural thing for us. Yeah. But I think why we probably established it, we, well, we wanted to be our own boss as well. Mm-hmm. We've probably been always naturally quite entrepreneurial. Um, I worked in banking for years, but I was never kind of seen as a traditional banker as What such. part? What did you do? I just, I always try to come up with new ideas, think think kind of ahead. So banking can be traditionally a little bit behind. So I kind of identified that people were had started to move home from Australia. So there was a lot of business opportunities. Um, traditionally, we would have held meetings face to face. So I wanted to look at kind of doing things by Skype. Um, so we try to bring that kind of forward thinking into our business. Mm. So we, uh, as you know, we do a lot in the fintech world. So we are, we've obviously identified that they don't have a you know a HR team in place. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to bridge that gap for them, and be more than just 
uh, you know, give them more than just the traditional recruitment. So be a little bit more innovative, uh, you know. And how, how did you guys decide to make the leap? What was it? What was kind of the point where you said we're doing this? Um, for me, anyway, I working in a large company. I think my biggest frustration was when I wanted to get something done. The time it just took to to do things, like simple things, could take months. Um, I'd only ever worked in one place so I just left went back to full-time education did my master's and at the same time we we set up top tier but doing a master's at the same time as setting up a new business yeah no that's a lot pretty of it, brave a lot a lot of it fell on <laughs> I need to live with someone doing a master's please <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> and set up a new business at the same time yeah. <laughs> we, ne- we never ma- did things by half <laughs> no what was a master's in digital digital marketing okay there you go yeah. All right. So a good, a good transition point, really, yes. out of the corporate world with some of these new ideas that you're saying, like you're saying, why do we have to meet everybody in person? Can't yeah. we just do Skype? Digital marketing, marketing being kind of one of those yeah. threads that makes a lot Absolutely. of sense. Absolutely. I'm very relevant to recruitment. Okay. And I presume as well, Paul, and you would have seen it obviously in the recruitment world, like things were changing there. You know, it's different yeah. now. I don't think the same kind of rules apply for typical recruitment <laughs> versus... Totally but like when I started in recruitment, I was driving into my second interview and there was something on the radio about this thing called LinkedIn, which was literally just starting. And I don't think anyone knew at the time it was going to change the face of recruitment as it did. Um, but like Laura said, we've always tried to be that little bit more kind of innovative in how we do things. Even things like, you know, recruitment can be a very manual kind of task. So we bought even recently a few different tools that automate an awful lot of what we do. The very kind of manual, non-value added stuff like getting CVs onto your database or posting out to different job sites, all of that type of stuff is, is pretty manual. Um, but I remember when I started in recruitment, it was all around kind of metrics and you meet X amount of people a week, you make X amount of client phone calls, you must send X amount of CVs. And I think that was something that we wanted to get away from as well because I was State Street for a couple of years managing recruitment there. And one of the things I would have seen was just irrelevant CVs or irrelevant phone calls and you knew it was someone sitting there who was at the end of the week going, I need to get two more CVs out or I need to make an extra client call. And it just makes no sense for us. It's like doing stuff for the sake of doing it. Yeah. But there's no end product. So like we don't really operate in KPIs. We have kind of a three CVs in three days for most roles, which we think is reasonable. And it's if we don't have three, we don't find three to send. Or you know, if we have five and they're great, we'll send them. But it's more of a case of after three days, if we're not there, why are we not there? Does the client need something else? Is the salary range wrong or the skills just not available? So we try to kind of take a little bit of a fresh look at an industry that's really kind of stuck in its KPI days. And it's more that personal approach. So I know yeah. like you hired me or at the time you were working for FK, FK International yeah. when I was, you got me that job in Barclays. Yeah. I got the job at worked. But uh, no, but you know, I often found that we've often chatted over the years as I'm looking at new roles and stuff. Like it's that someone to talk to about it because I'm sick. Even last two weeks ago, I was going through the city centre and I had a call on my uh, voicemail on my phone from a recruiter, and I was like, "Oh, okay, you know, I'll ring them back." Because I always have the conversation. You actually you'll never know if someone's ringing you, maybe they actually have a role that might be really interesting to you. Yeah. But actually it turned out to be the same old phone call about something. Oh, we think we have this thing that you'd be a fit for. Can you just tell us what I you do What you do now? Yeah. You know, and they're ta- ringing you about a job that you did like five years ago. Yeah. And again, it's it's a numbers, ticking a numbers box. Whereas yeah. to me now, 
you know, we had Vanessa on talking about remote work, smart working, yeah. the change in kind of workplace. People want that personal yeah. touch to it. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you can get recommendations from Netflix, surely someone can give you to have the courtesy to check your LinkedIn profile to see what you're working in now before they ring you about a job. I, I got an email there from uh, one of the larger agencies around town recently offering me a role as a senior recruiter in, I don't know, financial services somewhere. And it's the same thing. It's like you're hitting a database and you're, not looking at LinkedIn, and that's really simple. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, one but of the it's, first. It's hard though because, as an agency recruiter or as an in-house recruiter, very often you're sitting there with 20, 30 roles, and it's just not manageable to do it properly. Yeah. You can't do thirty roles justice as you would if you only had three or four roles at different stages. So we try to kind of keep it tight in terms of a smallish client base that grows naturally with us, so we have the time to properly search and to properly, you know, understand what you're looking for or to ring in and say you know oh, what you're looking for just isn't there have you thought about x y and z so it's but it's you just, can work closer with your clients you know yeah it, it's the more the understanding yeah. of what your client needs then. yeah yeah 100 percent. and they'll come back to us and we have clients that we haven't necessarily filled a role for that will come to us first next time because of a good experience which is testament to think to what we do or what we try to do i met with a friend of a friend just uh earlier this week who was just looking for a bit of career advice and um just having the conversation with him and figuring out what he wanted to do, what he was good at, those types of things, I kind of came to the conclusion that this person needs some challenge. They're in their early 30s um, in a relationship, but not married, no kids, really time to dig into his career. And I said, dude, just put yourself in a position that you're completely unqualified for. That's going to be the way that you learn the most and and which will give you uh, the most hardcore experience on really getting yourself out of trouble, right? And if you can do it and do it well, that's great. How do you as, um, you know, in in doing what you do, um, advise as well as guide people? Um, You've got a client that is paying your bills in terms of the fees, right? Um, But you also have a service to the people that you bring in. Right, you want to get get those get those two things matched up. How do you balance it too, in a roundabout way? Is my is my long question. <laughs> but you can't have one without the other. Yeah. So both are equally as, as important. Um, I think for 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 candidates, I started off placing graduates in what was Merrill Lynch back then, and I kind of went into recruitment thinking, you know, I may not end up doing this forever, but I'll take a long term approach. So even graduates, I took the time to understand. You know, probably your favorite subjects when you studied finance, or why did you pick finance when you were doing commerce or, or whatever? And I think that's kind of stood to me over the years where I've had people come back to me and trust me. And like Owen, you were saying, I think that was maybe nine years ago, eight years ago. It was 2000. It was a long time. Anyway. Uh, geez, it was no, before, before that. that. Yeah. yeah. It was 2010. Just, Sorry, it was 2010. Yeah. Yeah. And we're still talking now. Yeah. I, you know, I we get weren't chatting from, a couple of weeks ago about new opportunities at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I think building up the <laughs> Mr. Transparency <laughs> over here. There we go. Building up the trust with candidates is, is important. And taking the time to understand their career ambitions and genuinely trying to match it. You don't always get it right. And I've placed people who've left, or you know, I had one girl years ago who left after a day and a half, went out for lunch and never came back. So <laughs> yeah. genuinely, you, I mean you get it wrong as well. But you learn from you learn from getting it wrong. So I think for <laughs> answering your roundabout question in a roundabout way yeah. uh, it's it's just taking the time to give them a little bit of a little bit of your time and a little bit of your knowledge and help them as much as you can 
I think it's something that you've done. Yeah, and really just, well. I suppose just being transparent with yeah. them. Like if they want to move to a certain role, but they just they're not qualified. Just being straight with people, they really appreciate it. Yeah. Or but just trying to guide them, just saying, well, maybe if you if you um, try to try for a role in a smaller company, you'll get a, you know a lot more exposure and a bro- broader type role. People will listen to you. I think if you're very honest and transparent yeah. with them. When, when we first met Paul, we were talking about the value proposition towards fintech, right, and towards startups and new businesses um, that may not have the budget to be able to pay recruitment fees. However, your proposition towards them, and I'm going to say this the American way, is almost HR as a service, mm-hmm. right, and that there's some of that that you're naturally going to do for businesses that may not have that capacity. How do you handle that? Um, HR as a service so I think of it as, as RAS recruitment as a service it's a, <laughs> the, the next big thing yeah but see but the, reason I, the reason I say that is that my, my experience with HR over the years in different countries uh, in the world is that the American approach to HR was very much a combination of uh, kind of career guidance as well as the sourcing people, the recruitment, getting candidates and a bit of agony on in there as well um, in Bermuda working there it was all agony on and interviews. Um, in Ireland, it was so unique, I can't even put a finger on it. Um, and, you know, but what I do know is that working with a number of startups that I work with, it's largely left to the founder of the business, the CEO, the leader, to do that type of stuff. And sometimes they're just not geared to do that. And the objective interviewing, um, you know, digging into someone's past performance, those types of things. How do you as a business kind of um, convey all that experience to um, uh, a startup versus an established business that yeah. may have some of those skills already? It's, it's hard because I think recruitment in general has a bit of a bad name and there's plenty of dodgy recruiters out there who haven't helped the industry at all. Um, I think for us, it's about getting in front of people and trying to explain the business rationale behind using someone someone like ourselves. So what we see in, in fintech in particular is typically it's started by people with development backgrounds or tech backgrounds and they have a product roadmap and they have a network within a space that will get them to a certain point. Maybe it's you know um, seed funding or you know you're kind of eight to ten people but once you go beyond that where your network is starting to be dried up a little bit or you need a CFO all of a sudden or you need a head of sales or whatever and they're the roles that we can add an awful lot more value to a because we do it all day every day so we have the time to find those candidates we're constantly in touch with them about different roles and different things and trying to use the digital marketing side to make sure they're engaged and so it takes the time off a busy ceo's desk instead of having to filter through 50 cvs we'll give you a short list of three to five people and it's explaining to people that you don't have to do this anymore. You can be confident with the three or five candidates we send you that you're going to want to meet them. They're going to be good. They're thereabouts. So all of a sudden, you've gone from three or four days of your week down to you know five first round interviews, three second rounds on an offer. And I think once people get that from a business perspective, it makes an awful lot of sense. And um, I think what we try to do as well with fintechs, particularly startup fintechs, is to give them advice and, and build that relationship a little bit. And we know that you know not everyone is going to make it, but those who do will remember that we spent an hour or two hours with them advising on how they can recruit directly themselves and yeah. do all of that side is, is kind of important. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's nice to have the time to do it though, because mm. like we're not sitting there with someone flicking us on the back of the neck saying, you know, have you 
send five CVs, have you talked to 20 you know, clients this week or, or whatever, we have the time to do it. And I think it's, I think it's a genuine thing mm. that we do enjoy that aspect in particular. I think that's why we got into the fintech. Yeah. It was a natural enough fit with me doing finance and Laura doing tech. Yeah. Um, but we like talking to companies and mm-hmm. understanding what they want to do and where they want to go and advising them on what we've seen by other companies or what we've done ourselves in terms of hiring. So it's, it's interesting for us as well as a business. Oh, you and I were just talking about that earlier, Owen, on the, the talking to people. Right. And getting a feel for their business and trying to help them as being something that we'd love to just do all day. Right. And that that gets well, what's the most likely business proposition for that? And that's early stage venture capital. Right. Because so much of that is team based investing and that you're going on gut feel um, or even angel angel investing. Um, and I'm kind of feeling the love in the room right here, right now, that this could be uh, two more partners for us, Owen, eventually, because it's that people, the people side of it is so yeah, important. Yeah, yeah. You know? totally. Especially in a startup. Absolutely. You know, you're looking for a full stack developer. There's, there's not loads of them out there, but there's enough. Yeah. But you need the one who's willing to do the random stuff, yeah. you know, who wants to be involved and wants to love your product as much as you've loved it to get it yeah. to a certain stage. Yeah. It's really important. Yeah. And I think it's that, that aspect. It's like technology and recruitment will match skills on a CV or skills on a LinkedIn profile and give you a short list of people to look through. I think people will really struggle or, or technology, and maybe I'm wrong, will struggle to match that X factor, that kind of cultural fit that you know you, you just need to sit across the table from someone a little yeah, bit. Yeah, how do you get their X factor onto LinkedIn? Well, you can't. You can't. We had a guy in future, when I uh, was in future finance, we had a guy, really big name, came across from one of the large kind of lending companies in the UK, and he lasted a week, you know, when he was to head up the marketing team at the time, but yeah, he was, like, he wasn't even much old, like, he was probably 10 years older than yeah. most of the staff there, but it was, it was just a, the fast pace, like, he lasted a week, and that was it. Just the fit wasn't right. Just that, the fit wasn't that, right. But yeah. again, like, he ticked every box. And how, much, yeah. how much time was spent on that the time, process? Yeah. You know, that's a lot of time. And you, you don't want to bring someone into a job they're not suited for if you can avoid it as well. Yeah, obviously, because you know? it sets everybody back yeah. then. You know, it's yeah, not a good yeah, message. 100%. And, and how do you guys share the load between the two of you? How, how do we share it? How do you share the load between the two of you? I think, well, well I manage tech and Paul manages finance. But there, obviously, there's uh, we do other things outside the standard recruitment. I think Paul... Mm. Paul naturally has a very good business head on him, so he kind of you kind of look after the accounts and paying people and all that fun stuff. Yeah. I try to look at the more creative, fluffy okay. stuff. Okay. <laughs> what What are some of those creative things that you do? Like digital marketing, getting our message out there on social media definitely definitely has worked. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to create a lot of noise and promote ourselves as much as we can yeah. so Laura's leading the we're redeveloping our website at the minute yeah. it's a big big process and that's yeah. all yours and all of that side so I think we kind of complement each other quite naturally I probably procrastinate a little bit more and Laura definitely doesn't <laughs> well like you said ten- tenacious people generally don't <laughs> maybe get bogged down in the detail I don't think you know what detail is no just... <laughs> does it make it hard though for someone else to come into the team then um, I think, no, I think the fact that, well, we both managed people in our previous jobs, but it is, it's very different managing somebody and, you know, in it, when you're working for somebody else versus actually paying them out of your own pocket. Mm. But 
I think because we kind of both we both worked very 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 hard in our previous jobs so it was important for us to kind of create a company that promoted healthy work-life balance so people we're bringing on now we're conscious that we don't want them stuck with two managing directors we want to give you know hire people who are responsible and give them opportunities to work from home or work from abroad Mm -hmm. and just not be stuck looking at us all day long. <laughs> I don't think we're, like, we don't act like a couple when we're no, in the office. We're not, not that type of... You guys aren't holding hands right now. <laughs> no. Just for all our listeners, no. they're not holding hands. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that. I have seen that recently in the last two weeks. Yeah, I was like, whoa. Wasn't in the office, but it was. Anyway. No, I, yeah, I don't think we're, we're difficult to work with. I think it's, no. it's like you were kind of saying, it's about giving people a bit of autonomy and given their own kind of world that they can... Is it, when I started in recruitment, I was told it's a business within a business. And we kind of have that. So mm. we have all of the structures there for people to do their jobs. We have all the licenses. We have the databases. We have the job board advertising available. We have the meeting rooms and everything else. So within that, you kind of need to take ownership a little bit yourself. And that means you can almost be working independently within kind of a team environment. So it either suits people or it doesn't. But I don't think we get in the way of that at all. No. You know, and how does it how does it measure up to other things that you guys have done um, in the working world? Do you feel like entrepreneurs? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's great and it's horrible at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Champagne and razor blades. We we, we talked we talked on one of the episodes about you know twenty nine bad days a month and one good day. Yeah, and the, but one, the good one good day, day is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And, and it sends you up over the top. Yeah, you know, and someone just reaching out to say, "Here, take my money, please." Yeah, yeah. Like I, I was talking to a, a guy I used to work with there last week actually for a coffee, and you know, we were just chatting about making any placements and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And yeah, got one done today actually, and it's a brilliant feeling. And he was kind of saying, you know, a little bit jealous. Now I'd love his business, but a little, <laughs> little bit jealous that uh, it, one placement doesn't mean as much as it does to us. You know, so we still have that buzz. We still have the, yeah. you know, that kind of entrepreneurial hunger and drive and. And everything else, which is great. It's scary as hell, like, but it's good. <laughs> what What are some of the personality traits that you think has have made this successful for you both? We talked about tenacious, Laura. Obviously, yeah. creativity. Yeah. Um, you know, not procrastinating. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but what are some of the other things? What do you, What do you think you, you need to be able to have? I think though, just back to tenacity. I think that's always been mm. a trait that. Any manager I've worked under would have said I definitely have in spades. But I think that and self-belief. Yeah. Like, mm. uh, recruitment is so up and down, but you just have to believe. When you have those horrible days, you have to believe if you keep doing the right things, good things, just it just will happen. Yeah. So you have to just be tenacious, keep going, and believe. Believe in yourself. Absolutely. No, I get that. And, and you know, just keep at it. Be consistent. Same yeah. pitch, same story. Yeah. Um, if it's not working, change the story. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if it is working, or, or or that you feel it, and sometimes it's that you know you you get nothing for a couple of months, yeah. Um, and then, but you know in your heart you're still doing the right thing and you're yeah. doing it the right yeah. way, and you just keep at it. Yeah, yeah. Long right. Like we're talking about earlier. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. It's a bit of hard work. Like people are always surprised how lucky they get when they work really hard. Sometimes we're never strange. Did a lot of work last week and something came from it. it. Must be luck. One of the one of the great books I read while getting into what I do, it's called The The Second Bounce of the Ball by Ronald Cohen, who's one of the founders of Apex Partners. 
private equity business started in the late 60s. Um, and he said that networking increases your luck. Right, and that the more you're out there, the more prob yeah. higher the probability is that you're going to find something that you don't 100%. expect. How much of that do you guys do? Do as much as we can. Yeah, I've never gone to anything and not got something out of it. Yeah, never. Um, and that could be any. That could be a referral to something. Like it's not, often it's not just direct. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, it's interesting. You know, like we're kind of stuck in four walls or wherever, working from home, or but you're in the business all day, every day. So sometimes it's good to even just get outside mm. of that and hear what other people are doing or slightly different ideas or people who don't even do recruitment or think about recruitment, yeah. just getting a slightly different perspective on it. Definitely. Like I used to read a lot of kind of um, football management books mm -hmm. and things like that. And you always kind of pick up something in it in terms of how they motivate it or whatever. There's always just a little gem in something that you, you get so it's really important for us yeah, to be know about it. it's the best yeah. education it's the best way to, to yeah. educate yourself yeah. is it hard it. then like you might get to know candidates over a number of years given how important it is to people their career and what they're working yeah. in and their happiness is it hard if you can't find you know if you have a person that you know could be great if you can find them the right role but given like look we're a small market you know yeah. sometimes the right role isn't there or might never be there yeah. you know it's obviously a very personal thing so does it kind of weigh on you then if you can't find someone good the right job sort of thing or how do you deal with I think um, again back to just being very honest with people at the beginning you're not setting their expectations at high level yeah. you're being honest with them so like they appreciate it, it it's mm. not something I suppose back to your question it's not something that I personally would it wouldn't weigh on me at really because yeah. I'm always honest with people so mm. I have nothing to feel guilty about yeah. <laughs> I think, think what's harder is sometimes when you see people who've been talked into a bad move yeah that's, that's awful yeah, yeah. Like yeah really good people you know and it's not always someone's fault or anything like that but it happens a lot yeah and that, that's not a nice thing to see because you know. it's as hard I mean it's as hard for the candidate yeah. you know on paper a company might sound great but yeah. unless yeah. you know what your manager is like day yeah. in day out it's impossible to know until you've made that leap and yeah 100%. 100% anything you guys wish you'd done differently in, in getting this business off the ground no because any mistakes we've made we've learned from them mm. yeah so you can't you can't learn unless you make those mistakes absolutely yeah. <laughs> that's true um no, and I think, I suppose we kind of just always, when we're, when we're meeting people, for us, we just always try to believe in our gut instinct. Okay. Um, the most important thing for us is to hire people with, with a good attitude. Yeah, <laughs> it can be the worst thing for a business, somebody with, with a bad, bad attitude, yeah. especially in a small company. So I don't think there's anything that... That stands out, anyway. Nothing major that stands okay. out that I would have done okay. differently. Any totally bootstrap the business, no private investors? No, just yeah. us. Just from Plus day one. Plus tears, Pete. Yeah. 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 No, I know it's like. Plenty of tears. Tears of joy, any of those? Sometimes. 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 <laughs> Obviously, you guys lead on each other, but who else? Who else is there to lean on? For I, yeah, I've, I've kind of a couple of people that I would have worked with previously um, that I'd use as kind of sounding boards and, you know, take advice from. I think it's important to do it, mm -hmm. you know. Um, what about you? Do you have anyone? I do. I've kind of people I would have that would have mentored me back in my banking yeah. days. I'd still keep in touch with them. They would have been in the bank for years and years. Yeah. So I definitely I'd still be in touch with them. And they they 
they're great mentors. They love to see mm. us doing really well, and it's it's really nice. But I would lean on Paul a lot. He'd be my biggest mentor, I think. There you go. There you go. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> what do you say to that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, I, I, don't, I mean, we could talk all day, as always. <laughs> we often do when we're out. Um, is there anything that people wouldn't expect to know about you? Um, I actually studied drama after school, and I um, did really? some extra work in Home and Away and Superman. <laughs> really? Yeah, there you go. The Home and Away? Yeah. Like the Australian show? Yeah, when I was in Australia. Did you get to talk? I did. Uh, Alf Stewart caught me staring at him. I was completely starstruck. What oh no no I didn't did get, you get to talk, to talk on air? No no, they, no 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 no. What did you have to do? Just... I was just in the background, okay. eating in the diner. <laughs> All right, that's always funny. <laughs> Is that your claim to fame? <laughs> Superman as well. Can we Superman? Superman. Yeah. Um, oh no! I, oh, I, I, had, I had some on video, but I I can't. I don't know where they are now. <laughs> it, took, it took me about a year to find out Laura was in Superman. Superman, <laughs> like, like if I was in Superman which one? as an extra, the one with Kate Bosworth. Oh yeah, that one. Okay, I'd have to frame with the unknown Superman around. Yeah, he was. He was the guy. He was the guy that was kind of unknown. That was that actor. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that was wasn't bad. That one. And what did you do on that one? Extra. Yeah, I know. But what did you do? Um, running away and walking, walking along. We're in the we're in the presence of Hollywood greatness. There you go. You got a future ahead of you. You do. Absolutely. Okay, well, thanks for coming out, <laughs> guys. Thanks very much, guys. No it's worries. great to Pleasure, have you. as always. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, lads. We'd like to thank Laura and Paul for opening up their minds for the 17th episode of Money Never Sleeps, a podcast brought to you by Owen Fitzgerald and me, Pete Townsend, and sponsored by Top Tier Recruitment themselves. You can learn more about Laura and Paul on toptierrecruitment.com. Please subscribe to Money Never Sleeps on Transistor.fm, iTunes, Spotify, or on your favorite online media channel and leave us a review. Each one helps. Also, check out our website for more at MoneyNeverSleeps.ie or drop us a line on info at MoneyNeverSleeps.ie if you're an entrepreneur with a story to tell. We'd also like to thank the team at Create Sound for recording and editing this podcast. And thanks to Dogpatch Labs for their unwavering support of the startup community in Dublin. Speaking of Dogpatch Labs, I'll be there on September 19th for a Blockchain for Finance community meetup sponsored by Consensus. So sign up on meetup.com and come and say hi. Owen and I will both be speaking at the Blockchain for Finance conference at Aviva Stadium in Dublin on October 3rd and 4th. We'll interview the first five people who find one of us at the conference and says, money never sleeps, pal, which we package into an upcoming episode. Till next time, thanks for listening. See ya. See ya.